You're listening to the U.S. Glass Magazine's special daily podcast, Glass Industry Update, The Coronavirus. I'm your podcast moderator, Chris Bunn. This podcast is designed to bring you the latest industry news surrounding the business disruptions in our industry caused by the worldwide pandemic. Be sure to check in daily for a new podcast with the latest updates. And now I'll turn it over to Deb Levy, publisher of U.S. Glass, who will give you an update and introduce our special guest. Well, good day, everyone. I hope that you had a good weekend and that no one is suffering any more ill effects from the virus than was suffering from them on Friday. And I hope that everyone who is undergoing any sort of treatment for the virus is recovering. It's nice to have you with us. And and the reason I'm gushing is because I am so excited to have our guest today because she doesn't know it, but I have admired her from afar for quite a while. Of all the businesses that we cover, the contract business, contract glazing business is uh, the hardest, in my opinion. Uh, It's the riskiest, it's the least forgiving, it's the toughest segment uh, of companies that we cover. And there are not too many women out there that run companies of the size or depth that our guest does. So it's my pleasure to welcome Natalie Lamedico, President and CEO of Giro Glass, recorded in Los Angeles with other locations around the country to our podcast. Natalie, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Tell me a little bit about what you went through the first um, first time you became aware and grasped what the situ- was, situation was going to be uh, concerning the virus and how it was going to affect your company. Well, luckily, because we've been around for 74 years and we've been through a few things, as soon as we got wind of what was happening, we called company-wide townhomes. So at that time, it was pretty early on, but we did make sure to go uh, either hold our meetings via video conference and -hmm. as well as getting the employees together at a distance in a large conference area that um, we utilized to let them know that we know what's going on, that we'll go through this together. We will keep them all informed and first and foremost, to not hesitate to come with any questions and concerns. Well, yeah. that's great to know. And, and, you know, I should apologize to you. I really, I, I assume that all our readers and listeners know about Jero, but would you just take a second and tell us a little bit about the company? Oh, sure. So we, been in operations for 74 years. We currently have six offices in California, Arizona, and Nevada. Um, mm-hmm. Most recently is our Orange County office in California that we literally got the keys to yesterday. Oh my and goodness! So yeah, so yeah, even having small celebrations like that are meaningful for our employees sure. to hear that things are moving forward. And even though this seems like it's going to last forever, that it's temporary, and in any way we can, we're moving forward. But anyhow, so Drew, we were known, I guess, most for handling the most challenging and complex projects, but we handle everything from tenant improvements to service department, high-end residential and commercial projects, and we're ranging from offices, hotels, casinos, um, schools, universities, and, and, and so on. So, uh, 
you know, we've been doing it a long time and I believe that the diversity of our types of work have, have also allowed us to get through times like this. So that's a blessing. Sure. You're what I call an old time contract laser in that you have that mix of service work and um, new high rise construction together. Yes. And, and I think that the advantage to that or how we were able to do it is that we first started as a service department. I see. And then kind of grew from there. That's great. Yes. Very neat. And I know that one of your most famous uh, projects, although I, I often say I know that other uh, glass companies often work on, different glass companies often work on the same projects. So I don't know if you're exclusive to this or not, but one of your most famous projects is the Grand Canyon um, walkway. Yes. Yes. It, it still remains that. Ironically, it's, it wasn't that big of a job, but people enjoy hearing about it. And we did have a lot of challenges during that project from logistics to get to the project and the weather and, uh, you know, just coordinating everything. And it had to be done rather quickly. So, you know, along with the fact that it's a beautiful job and, mm-hmm. you know, a place to go and enjoy it had challenges. So nice well, to you know what that. when. When we're done with these podcasts having to do with the virus because it's gone, we'll have to come back and do a regular podcast and learn more about that. That would be pretty neat. So I hope you'll come back and do that with us. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Neat. Let me ask you, too. I know that you've got um, two interesting claims to fame to your company, and one of which is that you are uh, employee-owned. Did that present any, any special challenges or any special advantages as you're going through this? Actually, I strongly believe it added advantages because it's a quick way to remind our employees that it's not just the hashtag we're in this together. I mean, we're literally in this together. Mm -hmm. The harder and the smarter we work together will determine our fate as employee owners. Sure. That makes sense. Um, Can you take me through to um, Natalie, the, the status, are all your jobs still going? Have any been slowed down or postponed or you still have people in the field? Are they off in some states or still going? Well, so far we have not had one layoff and actually we've hired people. Uh, We do it. We have had company-wide about eight projects that are delayed. Nothing Mm -hmm. canceled as of yet and on hold. But another area that we're tracking uh, is the fact that once this is over and past, the impact of the world around us may indirectly impact. So we're looking into the projects that we have sold Mm -hmm. and check the status on the owners and see their financial stability and if there's any red flags that we have to be aware of and, and plan on our side. So that, that makes sense. Uh, I was talking to someone in the glass business just yesterday, and they were saying very similar thing that nothing has been canceled yet. But their comment was, you know, that they do a fair amount of strip malls, and now they're recognizing that sadly a number of companies that occupied already existing strip malls will be going out of business. So the need for new ones may not be as as high as it had been before this happened. Yes, indeed, and I and I also believe that. Going through this, it's it's never going to go back to normal as we knew it before. There are going to be changes, and so right. it's also an opportunity to um, grow in different ways and take advantage of new opportunities. That's true. It says as after nine eleven or after the recession, there's a normal, but it's a new normal, and some companies can really benefit from it, and others unfortunately don't. 
what kind of steps are you putting in place to make sure that you're one of the companies that does um, is able to take advantage of some of the changes coming up? Well, um, I'll talk about that, but first of all, I wanted to to point out why we were able to do that when when we got hit with a great recession. Sure, you know there there was that fine line between being optimistic and planning. And back then, because we had never, and or we could, in our minds, never anticipate something like that, we were slow on planning and keeping more optimistic. But we learned the very hard way, and this time, that will not happen to us. And so, you know, along with everything that that hits you and is challenging, you learn things. But it's right. our duty to put in use what we learned. And so, we have a lot of behind-the-scene planning that we've done based on mm-hmm. what we learned from the past. And so, so that's helped as well. Um, but some of the the temporary advantages that we have is our service department. For years, you know, primarily in the last five years, we've kind of swayed away from doing board up work and just did it as favors to our key clients, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but not really advertising for it. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had meetings and we said, we are now a board up company, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's not only something that we're trying to take advantage of, but I think we owe it to our community to offer board up services. We've been doing it a long time. We've, we've got the supplies and we know how to do it fast. We know the ins and outs of the city of Los Angeles and, mm-hmm. and the areas in Las Vegas as well. And so we're, we're marketing ourselves as, as a board up company as well to help our community in that way, as well as temporary partitions. Sure. Makes sense. And there's a lot of need for temporary partitions now too, especially in health facilities as well. I understand. Yeah. It's funny when you said, um, when you said that you had just opened your Orange County location, I actually did think to myself that location is going to do very well because if they're opening in this environment and they can get through a little bit of time in this environment, there's nowhere to go but up for them, you know, so that. Uh, as you were saying, the changes you made after the Great Recession sort of probably taught you that too. Now, I know that you are uh, basically a union shop. Have you been working with the unions at all through this or had communications with them as far as things that are being done differently around the virus? Uh, yes, we've been working closely. A lot of the conversations were around the what ifs. You know, mm-hmm. What if more jobs than we anticipate? At the time closed down, how would how would our union members be protected? Mm-hmm. So we do know that they approved to have uh, vacation pay paid out earlier, mm-hmm. and we looked into the unemployment sure. uh, laws and to make it readily accessible if we were to come to that point. But like I said, so far we haven't had any layoffs. So, you know, we we definitely are doing everything that we can to plan and keep all of our people because we do really stretch out our timing of hiring people. I mean, we, we don't hire without panel lunches or thoroughly mm-hmm. interviewing them culture fits. And, and the same goes for our field. Our average uh, number of years that we've had our glazers are 16 years. And so, Oh my gosh, that's yeah. incredibly impressive. Yeah. yeah. We call it the Bermuda triangle. When they, come, <laughs> they don't want to leave. But it's That's because great. we, you know, we we keep really open communication, and we do everything we can to make them want to stay at Drew and that they're happy. So, during the the hard times, we have to plan and do all we can now. 
That's great. That's great to hear. Let me ask you too. I'm gonna. I'm asking you this first, but now I think I'm going to start asking it of of most of our interviewees. You know, this is really stressful for the person in charge. Uh, what kinds of things are you doing to take care of yourself? You know what? I'm not really stressed. Wow. The, I'll What's tell your you secret? What, <laughs> this is what I'm stressed about is what you can't control. And that's exactly. the mindset of your employees and the fear. You know, it's the intangible, the things that you can't see that you that you have the most fear. And that's what keeps me up at night. So sure. a lot of our conversations are around checking in with our employees, keeping a pulse on their mental state. Because if employees aren't happy or feel safe, they're not going to be that productive. So our conversations when we call, reach out to each of our employees is not just how is work going? Are you comfortable in your your remote mm-hmm. work locations? We ask about their families. How are your right. families doing? Yeah. Because it's it's big and we've had some challenges. We've had a few employees le- uh, lose parents during this time oh, and, and so can't, have re- can't have regular funerals and oh, things horrible. like that. And yeah. so we definitely more than ever uh, have asked more about the personal side to make sure that mentally they're okay. Sure. So. Right. Because you can't really get that focus on work if there's something overriding that affects yeah. someone's, you know, not livelihood, but living day to day. So I, I yes, know what and you're I saying. Don't, I don't want to minimize what's going on. It's really big, but it is not going to last forever. It is going to pass. And when I focus on that, I get the adrenaline going and mm-hmm. the excitement about the possibilities. And when you get through it, to be able to look at your employees and, and be together as a team and say, look at what we did, look at what we conquered, look at what we accomplished together. And mm-hmm. that part uh, outweighs the yeah. stress and worry. What, what a great way to look at it and what a great leadership role to have too. That's neat. Oh, thank you. I just have a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind. Um, I was curious if you were faced with any of some of the reports that we've been hearing around the country where certain areas, um, especially service class work, but uh, was considered essential, and in other places it wasn't. In some states, you even had an overlay of cities or counties with different directives. Were you guys pretty consistent, or did you have to wade through any of that in any of your locations? Well, we went through waves. It seemed to be hit hardest in Northern California, then it moved down to Southern California, then all of California, and then Nevada, and then Arizona. And so it kind of helps to have the lead in, you know, from week to week to get the other offices prepared. So far, we are still considered essential, but we are ready. We, We track all of our jobs. We probably have about 65 ongoing projects right now oh, wow. and hundreds of work orders, probably you know, a good 75 work orders going on. And so tracking those is, is pretty tedious. So we have a process where each of our project managers, estimators have to report up and give a status, you know, as far as did you check the, the schedule? Can we send guys are there, is there any word on, you know, safety requirements, safety changes, anything that we can on a daily basis? And, and it is a lot of work, but it's incredible how much time you can find when you need to find it. Mm-hmm. And right. I, it's amazing. Yeah. So, so 
we have a lot of things in place and we are planning for the worst, hoping that it never comes, but so that we're prepared, right? We don't want to be reactive. But so far in California, which seems to be the most strict so far on this side, uh, um, the essential business are still ongoing, but we did give each of our employees letters to carry in case they're pulled over or, you know, if there's any extreme. Oh, because they're riding to the job site or something. Yes, I see. Yes, and and even our office employees. I haven't heard anywhere that they're actually doing that, but they said that they can do that. And something new that just hit last night on the news was the masks. There's a controversy about whether, you, you know, the mask... Protect you, you should be not. wearing them or not. Yes. It it seems like more keeps trickling out every day to yeah. turn this from a, you have to have symptoms, you have to be showing them to people have it, they don't even know they have it and they're carrying mm-hmm. it, they don't know they're carrying it. So it's it's really evolving. Yeah. So when, once the, the mayor of California, Garcetti, mm-hmm. went on and started talking mm-hmm. about the mask, we already know. We got to stop the fear as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So this morning, we had masks delivered, not the N95s. Mm-hmm. Those early on, we donated to our mm-hmm. local hospital, but we oh, we nice. have basic masks for all of our employees, most of it for peace of mind, and we, sure. mar- we remind them. Our fear is that you wear the mask, and then you think that you don't have to keep social distance. And then That's we also, a good point. Yeah, like a false <laughs> sense of security. Exactly. And we also tell them, if you're wearing the mask and you're not wearing eyeglasses, virus can get in there. So remember, keeps a social distance. But we mostly got it for, for the peace of mind. And heck, if, if they're right about the fact that it could help, then we have it covered. So Exactly. I, I not understood through this how anyone could not take the more conservative road road on these things, you know, yes, I'd rather overprotect or over plan or anything like that because the alternative is that you lose or the your employees lose so big. Yes. And and we also spend a lot of time talking to them about precautions that they need to take when they're not at work. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a fine line because you can't mandate that your employees have to do certain things when they're off the clock. But we remind them, if you have family members, parents, older children that do not live with you, you have to treat it the same. You cannot have them in your house. You cannot be going to their house because you're you're not keeping yourself safe or your loved ones. And, and also, when, when they go back to the job sites, whoever they were around, they're bringing those viruses with them. And so it's just being overly, overly cautious. So oh, I'm not point. holding back on kind of being mama bear to them and telling them uh, you can't be friends with everybody right now. <laughs> right. That's right. You know, that's very yeah. true. There'll be that's plenty of time. For, right. Yeah. There'll be plenty of time for the celebrations, well, but now we just cases, have to wait. Yeah. Because in some cases you're, we're trying to change habits we've had for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. That's hard to do. You know, it's yes. hard to not stand close to someone and it's hard to do a couple of these other things that we're trying to do. So. Makes sense. Well, is there anything else that you would like to, you know, we've got a a kind of diverse uh, listenership, manufacturers, fabricators, contract glazers, retailers, distributors. Is there anything uh, else you would like to add and let our audience know? The most important thing I would add is that during this time, uh, 
too much information is never too much information. I, mm. I encourage everybody to reach out, even if they get wind of something that may possibly grow to be a bigger issue, to, to share it. Anything on, on jobs and vendors and all down the supply chain, to just keep continual communication and also finding out how they need to get the information. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Natalie. I really appreciate it. And it was a real privilege for me to get to talk with you today. Oh, well, it was my privilege as well. Thank you so much, Deborah. Sure. Stay healthy. Take care. Thank you. Before I get to the updated news, I have a couple of announcements. People have been asking how to make sure they continue to receive these podcasts. Well, it's easy and it's free. Just go to usglassmag.com, usglassmag.com, and you'll see a tab for subscriptions. You can sign up for our usgnn.com daily e-newsletter, which includes these podcasts, as well as subscriptions to our other magazines and info services. There is no charge for any of these services for anyone in the glass industry. Also, a number of people have inquired about being a guest on the podcast Well, if you're interested, please contact me directly. Just send me an email. My email is deb at glass.com. That's deb at glass.com. Also, I would like to invite you to tune in tomorrow when we will have a special guest host and a special guest star. I'm sure you will want to uh, join us and come and learn a lot from both of these gentlemen. More to come on that tomorrow. I know I'm being a little bit mysterious, but that's on purpose. Now on to your industry updates for today. Ron Crowell, president of Fenatech, says his company remains committed to the continuity of its business and the stability of their customers' businesses. Ron reports that the entire staff is continuing to provide the best products, service, and support to each and every customer every single day. The company guarantees to remain fully accessible to its customers through telephone calls and virtual meetings. Fabricator Walker Glass is pleased to report that starting Monday, April 13th, Walker Glass will begin to resume operations as it's been recognized as an essential supplier by the government closure decrees. So welcome back to business, Walker Glass. Mike Wallace of Quality Metal Crafts America wants to let customers know that it too is considered an essential business. The company continues to manufacture all of its product line, including wall panels, insulated panels, column covers, sunshades, brake metal, and flat aluminum sheets. Both the inside sales staff and the project management team can be contacted for any requirements you may have. And Dormacaba remains operational across all its sites in North, Central, and South America as well. Mindy Blodgett says that the company is operational throughout the United States and its Reamstown, Pennsylvania facility is open and running smoothly. Its supply chain remains fully operation and is supporting demand. And the government's payroll protection loan program got off to a rocky start Friday as most banks only received the guidance information from the government two hours before the program was to launch. Some banks, such as Chase, reported on Friday that they were not yet ready to accept applications. And many banks are limiting those they will accept applications from to existing customers. Well, that's our report for today. Thanks for listening. Please remember to join us tomorrow for our special podcast. And stay safe.